And let's be clear, we exist only as a Great Commission people. We exist in order that sinners will hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and believe and be saved from all the nations. The marching orders of the Church of Jesus Christ were to go into all the world and preach the gospel because the gospel has the power unto salvation. This is what it means to follow Christ. A call to live, a call to die, a call to spend your life for Jesus here and around the world until he returns. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast. I'm your host, Paul Aiken. Our guest today is Jenny Hatchell. Jenny and her husband Boyd are veteran missionaries with the IMB, having served in Europe. They and their family served previously in Romania and Czech Republic, and they recently moved back to the U.S. and currently live in Virginia. Jenny raised four kids while serving on the mission field, and I'm excited to hear and learn from her experience today. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be with you. Yeah, why don't you just start by telling us some about yourself, your family, and, and what you do? Sure. We have four children. The youngest is 17 and the oldest is 23. We have served with IMB for 24 years. I'm originally from Louisiana and Boyd is from Texas. We met at the Delta baggage claim of the Richmond, Virginia airport. We were on our way to orientation to go overseas to serve as journeymen. Boyd went to Romania and I went to Brazil. So we spent two years on different continents, then returned to the United States, married, attended seminary, and then went back overseas together. And we served in Europe since 2000. Okay. So the focus of our podcast this season is on sending well. And so we're wanting to think through topics like what does it look like to do short-term missions well? How do I discern a missionary call? But also one of the things we want to talk about in that is what does it look like to raise kids on the mission field? You know, sometimes a single man or a single woman may go. Sometimes a married couple will go with no kids. But oftentimes uh, the people who are responding to God's call to go and serve overseas are those with children, those who have a family. And so I want to start by asking you, you mentioned you have four kids what is it like taking your children to the mission field? And what are some of the, the challenges and unique opportunities related to that? When we first went overseas together as a family, our oldest child was 18 months and our second child was eight weeks old. So the first word that came to mind when you asked that question is exhausting. <laughs> Parents of young children anywhere know that caring for their needs takes a lot of time and energy. And as a missionary, you add to that learning to navigate in a new city, adjusting to a new culture, learning to communicate in a new language, and getting started in a new ministry. All of those things take mental energy and physical energy. You also don't have grandparents or longtime friends who are nearby to help out. So you and your spouse need to find a way to prioritize the needs of your young children, as well as fulfill the responsibilities of the entry task as you enter a new mission field. That's perfect. That's perfect. So you mentioned that you had two when you went to the field, and I guess you had two more while you were on the field. So I think you can speak to this next question. You know, for families that are going that, that already have kids, what do you think are some important things they can do to ensure that there's a, a good transition for the family from the U.S. to the mission field? 
When you're considering missionary service, I think you can begin to prepare your children early. Be willing to try new things where you live. Experiment with new foods. Try a worship service in another language. Visit a neighborhood that's very different than where you live. You can help them anticipate that things are going to be different, but different doesn't necessarily mean bad. I think you have to be intentional about creating opportunities for them to say goodbye to the people that they are leaving behind. Take pictures not only of the people that are important to them, but also the places and the things that are important to them. Make sure you have a picture of their Sunday school classroom, of their bedroom, the playground where they spend time so that they have those memories that they can look back on. When you're packing, I think it's also important to think about your kids. When you think about what you're going to take with you to the field, you may set aside a certain amount of space and say, hey, kids, this space is for you and you can pack what you would like in this space because what's important to them Maybe some trinket that you would never want to use your space for and you would prefer to throw away or donate, but it may be something that would help them as you transition. Okay. I, I really like that. Just kind of the idea of taking some things that are familiar to them and trying to, to maintain some continuity between, yes, this was what things looked like back where you lived before, but this is now where we are and trying to keep a bridge maybe between those two places. That's really helpful, I think, for kids maybe that were born or grew up some in the U.S. and then move. My next question is, what are some unique challenges for kids maybe that were born on the mission field? Maybe, you know, that they don't have any memories living in the United States because they never lived there. They were born on the mission field, and, and that's kind of what they know. What are some, some unique challenges there? I think sometimes they can feel an unrealistic sense of expectations that I have to speak and read and write the language as well as a national, that I have to know what to do and how to respond in every situation because I've been here my whole life. But the reality is that they're learning and growing too. That's good. That's good. Did you notice any particular differences between your two kids that you know maybe were born in the States and then transitioned versus the two that were born on the field? Or did you feel like for the most part, they're... they're uh, their growing up, their maturing was pretty similar process. I think one thing that affects that is that we moved from Romania to the Czech Republic. And I think that was a time for our family that was almost like starting all over again. Instead of leaving the U.S. behind, we were leaving Romania behind. And that was the only home that our younger two children had ever known. And so it was another sense of departure, another sense of transition. And that's a reality in the mission community is that there is a lot of transition it's hard for kids to see people go and yeah, seeing people leave and come and go in and out of their lives can be difficulty. So it may lead to a lack of stability or feeling of not having roots for some of our TCKs. Okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think that is a good point. You know, there's just a lot of transitions to and from there's new people coming to join the team. There's, you know, existing teammates that are leaving to go back to the States and, and there's kind of a, kind of always a constant flow of people kind of coming and going. And that can be hard for kids to a certain degree, but I also think that can also build up some some resilience as well. We can talk some more about some of that later. A question that I would have that I think maybe lots of people might think about is if you go and serve on the mission field, you take your kids with you. How do you cultivate a relationship between your kids and maybe their grandparents while you're serving halfway around the world? That's a great question. It takes an intentional effort from both parents and grandparents. 
there are some ways that parents can help by carrying on family traditions, sharing those with your children, saying this is a tradition that I grew up with. And so we're going to continue this in our family now. Grandmommy and granddaddy always bought me new pajamas on Christmas Eve. So I'm going to give you new pajamas this Christmas Eve and every Christmas Eve too. I think it's important to keep photos of grandparents in prominent places and talk about them frequently. We talk about them if we're going to have chicken spaghetti. I know how much you enjoyed chicken spaghetti when we were at grandma's last time. So I asked her for the recipe and we're going to have it today. As much as possible, we try to create shared experiences between our kids and our parents. When the kids are preschoolers, grandparents and grandchildren can have copies of the same book. Grandparents can read it to the child while the child follows along with their own copy. As kids get older, maybe it's a chapter book and the grandparents and grandchildren read it on their own, but they discuss it when they talk to each other. Grandparents can send craft supplies and keep a set for themselves and they both do it while having a video call or maybe they bake cookies at the same time and then sit down and share the snack together while they're having a video call. Yeah, that's good. Those are great examples. And obviously I think you know, the benefits of technology today, you know, uh, just the ease of Zoom or FaceTime, some of those kinds of things. Obviously, that could be a hindrance if it's done too much, but also can be a real blessing and encouragement, I think, to both sides of the family if you're able to utilize some of those things. So that's good. Reaching a specific people group with the gospel demands specialized training and a global vision. Southern Seminary supports these ministry goals through theological education that is trusted for truth. A degree in missiology from Southern Seminary provides students with the biblical foundation and theological training necessary to take the gospel into all the world. The program prepares graduates to serve as missionaries, church planters, and ministry leaders anywhere in the world. To learn more about Master of Divinity, Master of Arts, and doctoral degrees available through the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary, go to sbts.edu bgs or go to the episode notes for this podcast and click the link to the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. There you'll learn how listeners to this podcast can save $40 when applying for classes. The web address again is sbts.edu bgs. You know, Jenny, I want to ask this next question. It's kind of a more practical question, but on the mission field, you know, what does it look like for families to do missions together? How do you integrate your kids into your ministry? I've heard stories on both sides. I've heard families that do this well. And then I've heard other stories where maybe the kids feel like, you know, this whole missions thing is my parents' deal. This is not my deal. But how, how do you mix your kids into your ministry and life together? I think it's important to make it fun. I'd like to find ways that are appropriate for the child's gifts and interests. One child may want to read scripture at your church plant, but another may prefer to be in the background setting up the sound equipment. Um, Another may like to lead the games at the park for your outreach event, but another would much prefer to design the invitations that you're going to distribute to invite people to that event. So find things that they enjoy and that they're good at, and then point out how what they did brought value to your event and how they contribute to your team's ministry. That's good. Yeah, I think it's important to think through ways to integrate the kids so that they feel like this is this is something that we do together as a family. God may have called mom and dad to this uniquely, but because we're part of this family, we're also called to be involved in this work to some degree as well. And I think that's important. Okay, would you say that having kids on the mission field was more of a barrier or more of a blessing as you think about your mission work? 
absolutely a blessing. Um, you know, Boyd and I saw both sides of this. We served as journeymen, but we were there by ourselves and did not have children. And then we went back as a family. Because we had kids, we had opportunities to get to know national families. They gave us an excuse to be at the park or the playground, that it would have been awkward to be there by ourselves. Our kids were involved in sports on local teams, so that gave us an avenue to meet others and provided an opportunity for regular interaction as we attended games, meets, and tournaments. And most of the people that we were interacting with were non-believers, and it gave us a chance to talk about our faith in real ways as they saw us living and interacting as a family. Our kids attended national schools, so we became a part of the community in that way. It allowed me to be a volunteer in the school and interact with the students and the families and the staff members. And also being involved in national schools helped us learn about cultural expectations, history, and traditions, things that we wouldn't have known about if we had not had children who were involved in cultural activities and celebrations. You know, one of the things that people think about when they think about serving overseas is language learning and just the challenge of trying to learn a new language so that you can communicate, so that you can share the gospel in another context, in another culture. Can you talk some about the importance of a mom and a dad learning the language and then also the importance of the kids trying to learn the language as well? Sure. Being able to communicate in the local language helps families live and minister in their host culture It shows the nationals that you value them when you learn their language, especially if you're in a country where there aren't a whole lot of people who speak that language. Um, You may be able to get by in some places with only English, but you're really limiting that those you can interact with and those that you can share the gospel with if you can't communicate in their heart language. You know, we have the greatest message of all, and we need language in order to communicate that message. A language study can be hard, but it is so worthwhile. And you ask about kids. I think for kids, knowing the local language helps them feel comfortable. It increases their sense of belonging in the host country. And I do want to say that some parents assume that kids will learn a language really easily and quickly, but that's not always the case. We need to be careful to give our kids grace, opportunities to learn the language in fun and interesting ways, and not just expect that it's going to happen overnight. Yeah, that's really good. That's helpful. Can can you talk a little bit about maybe how you all went about learning the language? I mean, sometimes people go and they don't have any kids, and so husband and wife can both kind of focus on language learning together, and there's really nothing that stops that from happening. But sometimes, like you all, some people go with kids already. And so maybe you have, uh, I think you said you had an eight-week-old or something like that when you went. So can you talk about maybe ways in which the husband and wife can still kind of learn language, but also try to care for the kids. And how does that look and how does that work? We had a unique experience in that when we went to Romania, Boyd already spoke Romanian very well. He is an excellent language learner. It comes a lot harder for me. I work at it really diligently, but it does take an effort. So when we arrived, he was able to communicate right away. People would call and he could have conversations. Within a few weeks, he was preaching in the language. So people would look at me and think, she should be able to communicate too. What's wrong with this lady? Her husband can talk to us, but she can't. So oftentimes they would speak to him and want him to communicate for me. So he was very intentional about giving me opportunities to speak when he wasn't around, about saying, talk to her, give her a chance to practice. 
learning the language when you have kids around does require a lot of effort for parents to coordinate schedules, to study during nap times, to study after kids go to bed at night, to take the kids with you and to walk to the same grocery store every day and have a conversation with the cashier while you're checking out with your groceries that you need for dinner that night. So it's looking for opportunities in your daily life to practice the language that you have during your study time. And sometimes it's taking shifts, one studies in the morning, one studies in the afternoon, and then we take turns. I like that. It's, it's some teamwork that, that'll make it happen. That's, that's good to hear. All right. I want to switch to kind of a lightning round for some, some more brief, quicker responses. I would love for you to fill in the blank on this question. The most difficult thing about raising kids on the mission field was blank. Being far from extended family. Okay. All right. Next question, kind of flip it around and ask it from the other side. The best thing about raising kids on the mission field was? The people that God placed in my kids' lives, the missionary aunts and uncles, the national believers, and the kids from many different backgrounds that they got to interact with. Okay. Yeah, this is probably relationships for many of them that are still going on to this day because they had such a tight bond because they were there at such a formative stage, maybe in your kids' lives. That's right. I'm thankful for the investment of many of our colleagues who spent time with our kids and loved on them and really served as examples of what it meant to be a godly man or woman. That's great. What are two to three things you would say to parents who have kids returning to the States for college? So these are missionaries who are serving on the field. They have kids who are getting ready to go back home to the States for college. How can they best help their kids assimilate to life in the U.S.? Our organization provides an amazing reentry retreat to help kids make that adjustment. And I would encourage all MKs to be able to attend something like that. It's very helpful for them to begin to understand American culture and what transition could look like. On a practical standpoint, I think helping our kids get a driver's license so that they can drive once they get back to the States, helping them find a church, and then helping them think through the question when someone asks, where are you from? That can be a really hard question for kids. So helping them prepare how to answer that. And I think like you said three, but I'm going to add one more. <laughs> I would say to find a friend or a family member who will welcome them into their home when there's a school holiday or break and they can't get back to the field to visit mom and dad. Yeah, I think that's really helpful. You know, I don't think a lot of people think about something as practical as getting a driver's license, right? You know, most of these kids are living in another country when they're 15, 16, 17, the normal ages when you might start driving here in, in the U.S. And so something as simple as, yeah, when they get back, make sure that they're prepared, equipped, and ready to get a driver's license so they can get themselves around. Because in most of the places in the U.S. that we live, public transport is probably not the same as it is in many cities around the world. So I think that's a really helpful example. What about, as we think about the sending church, you know, churches in the States that are sending out missionary families, what are two or three things that a sending church can do on the front end, and maybe even as missionaries are serving to help serve families who are moving overseas with kids? I'd say number one at the beginning and throughout the time overseas is to pray for them. We depend on your prayer. We're so grateful for it. So I would encourage you to pray for them, first of all. From a practical standpoint, I would encourage you to mark their departure with an event, host a sending celebration in your church, a time of fellowship, give them a chance to say goodbye well. For the kids and the family, it's really neat for them to have something personal to take with them as a reminder of their friends in the United States, maybe a 
pillowcase or something small and lightweight that all of their Sunday school teachers and Sunday school friends signed so that they can have that memento to take with them as a reminder. Could also ask about their needs. Do they need somewhere to store a small box of family memories? A ride to the airport. Someone to check on their parents the day after they leave so that they know someone cares about them when their kids are far away and they're going through loss as well. That's great. Those are really practical, helpful things. Jenny, thank you so much. This, this is the last question for you. You've lived overseas. You've raised your kids on the mission field. You have a, sort of an insider-outsider perspective. Recently, you've moved back to the U.S. What wisdom, correction, warnings, encouragement would you share with the families that you have observed here at home in the U.S.? As I recognize that we have a short time with our kids living under our roofs and focus on what matters, God has entrusted us with these blessings and we should steward them well. Pray through your priorities as a family and make sure that your calendar and your budget reflect those priorities. Oh, that's really good. Jenny, thank you so much for your time and for the conversation today. Thank you, Paul. It's great to be with you. To hear more conversations like this, please subscribe to this podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening to this episode. Thank you for joining us on Amazon to the Himalayas. This podcast is brought to you by the Billy Graham School at Southern Seminary. Please visit our website, www.sbts.edu bgs, where you can subscribe to the show and learn more. Also, if you have found these conversations helpful, please leave us a comment or a review and encourage your friends to subscribe to the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more. This is Amazon to the Himalayas podcast.